Today's guest is an outspoken conservative on social media. He has tons of followers on TikTok, Instagram, and his YouTube channel. His dad was military and both parents were heavily involved in church. But somehow Craig found a way to make poor decisions. I can relate. Those decisions led him to prison where he ended up with the worst of the worst. But that was not the end of the story. Today, he's a family man, business owner, and motivational speaker whose voice is being heard louder and louder. He's also not very shy about saying who his favorite president is. Today, we do a background check on Craig Long. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you motivate you and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say go go ahead check my background my name is Jaden gum and this is background check you already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down now you can bet i won't live in regret it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check Hey everyone, welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum. Brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. And we believe here at Background Check that your background shouldn't hold you back, it should pay you back. And that can be in any way, financially, uh, relationally, net, with your network and your net worth. Uh, man, so glad to hear um, that more and more people are or download the podcast in prison and out here. Thank you so much for listening. We could not do this without you. We are on episode number 97, and we could not keep doing this. A lot of people get burned out after the first 15 episodes. 15. We're way past 15. Some people burn out after a year or two. There are some imitations out there. Um, you in prison don't have to worry about it, but everybody out here, there's there's three podcasts that have the phrase background check in it. One is called Background Check Radio. That's not ours. They came on right before we did, and I didn't even know they existed. So I actually had to change our name because it was radio. And then there's a new one that just started called The Background Check Podcast. So he named it exactly like mine except put the word the. Uh, and, and, but those are imposters. All they're talking about are, are credit background checks, criminal background checks, like, like how you should have them in your company to make your company better and how you should utilize the background check to expose negativity. And that's not what we're about. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, got some shout outs, man. Uh, Drawn Powell in uh, Dallas County. Hey man, uh, I don't know if you've um, caught chain yet or not, but if you haven't, Hey, got your letter, man, praying for you. And uh, yeah, we, our transitional houses may not be in the same place they are now, but, um, but yeah, man, we will do what we can to uh, help you, bro. Uh, let's see who we got. Billy, Billy Paradise from Pine Bluff, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Uh, I don't, I don't know what unit that is, but, um, but uh, thanks for writing in, man. We're gonna do what we can to help you. And then let's see who else we got here. Billy Thomas from uh, the Idaho. All right, buddy. Thank you for writing in. Uh, yes, I agree. We need to get. We need to get our podcast uh, on the on the J6 tablets up there. So thank you for writing in. And, and y'all keep sharing, sharing the story, sharing the um, show with people. Jeremiah Clark, also from Pine, Block, Pine, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I don't know if Jeremiah and uh, Billy 
Billy Paradise know each other. But, um, hey, man, thank you all so much for listening. And uh, some of you all shared your favorite episodes. Damon West episode, Aaron Smith, David O'Neill. Wow, that's a good one. Pearl Lawyer. Thank you. Thank you. And if you're out here, send us a text. Send us an email. Let us know uh, if a certain episode has impacted you. When you when you tell us that a certain episode and guest impacted your life, we always forward that to them. So we'll be forwarding, um, you know, the ones that drawn. hope I'm saying your name right, drawn. But uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Inside, outside, wherever you are, in the car, uh, working out, whatever, however you listen to, however you do background checks. Uh, what, what's the what's your favorite way to listen to background check podcast? Is it is it in the car on the way to work? Is it when you're working out? Is it when you first wake up before you go to bed? Uh, send us a text. Follow us on social media, man. Um, Forgiven felons, J Dan Gum, Facebook, Forgiven felons, Instagram, Forgiven felons, Twitter, Forgiven felons. We have a YouTube channel, but it's kind of uh, we're we're gonna start focusing on that next year. But um, but yeah, give us a shout. Uh, Follow us on social media. Instagram is Instagram and Facebook are the two most. And I also uh, post on Twitter once in a while. But anyway, uh, thank you again for listening. It's fun. I don't think we're going to stop anytime soon. Uh, this week, this week, when this episode records, I'm going to be in Houston recording about another seven podcasts. So H down, where you at? Whoop, whoop. All right. Um, so. I don't think we have any announcements. We ran out of sponsors. So if you want to sponsor the show, let us know. We got a package just for you to cater to your needs. And I promise you, we got a, we got a wide audience. Somebody in our audience will need what you got to sell um, or provide. So anyway, if you, if you want a sponsorship, let me know. We do all different packages, different sizes, entry level, platinum level, all that. So give us a shout. All right, let's see. Do I have – I don't think I have any – Man, Father's Day episode. If you haven't listened to the Father's Day episode, go listen to it. Just do it. And listen, we're coming up on a hundredth episode. What's your favorite one of all time? What's your favorite one? There's some good ones. Um, so I think that's all the announcements that I have coming up. We got we got a holiday coming up, but we got another episode before then. Juneteenth. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of churches. A lot of companies don't necessarily celebrate Juneteenth or even acknowledge it or recognize it. But listen, I am thankful that that day that the news finally got to Texas in Galveston. And uh, I thank God for for uh, that the, the only slavery we have left is incarceration. And I hate that we still have that. I hate that incarceration is more punitive than rehabilitative but we got a long way to go we've come we've come a little ways but we got a long way to go the 13th amendment needs to be amended needs some changes made to it uh to where incarceration is not you know convict leasing anymore and legalized slavery so anyway but um we've come a long way we've come a long way we have so proud of this country i'm proud to live here and uh, proud to be American. I know a lot of people don't like America that want to enjoy its freedoms. But I uh, respect everybody who's given their life for our, our country and my freedom. And our guest today, Craig Long, his dad was a military. He grew up in a family that honored the military and, and they grew up in church. His mom and dad were both heavily involved in church. And um, but he's today he's a businessman. He's a family man. He's an outspoken conservative 
on social media. Uh, I've, I've followed him. I've, I've followed him on Instagram for a while now, and that's where I think I, you know, found him. But um, and he he's going to tell you who his favorite president is. And listen, I'm here in Houston all weekend. I'm we're in an apartment complex. Um, I did not know there's going to be construction right outside on the street. So if you hear beeps, if you hear noises over the next couple months, it's these interviews that were done in Houston. All right. So hopefully it's not too bad, but today, um, we're going to talk to Craig long. He goes by Craig long 45 on Instagram and YouTube channel and everything else. And I'll, I'll let you listen to the interview to figure out why he's called Craig long 45. All right, here we go. Enjoy. Craig Long, welcome to Background Check Podcast, man. Man, hey, it's a pleasure. I'm excited about this, Jay. You know, I know uh, I know this. you just started following me a couple of weeks ago when we finally uh, scheduled this, but I've been mm-hmm. following you for a long time. And I, appreciate uh, I, feel that, like, man. I feel like I've gotten to know the political side of you. <laughs> um, but I but I also I made a comment on one of your posts one time, mm-hmm. and I, I think that prompted you to, to look up who I was because yep. you, you replied and, and then that made me go back and look at your bio. I'd never actually looked at your bio yeah. and, and I saw there second amendments rights restored. And then ex-con. in principle, you put ex-con I'm like, Oh my gosh, this dude's a, this dude's ex-con just like me. Oh yeah. So, uh, so then I was like model I, citizen. <laughs> so man, uh, I appreciate you, you doing this and, uh, I've had I've had a lot of favor asking some uh, asking social media uh, celebrities. Uh, I hope you don't mind me calling you celebrity, but you know, Man, in, <laughs> in my book, everybody's got over 10,000 10, uh, followers. Yeah. I think in my book is a, at least a social media. And, and one day you're going to be you're going to be known more than just for social media. Um, if, I believe if, if they don't feel that I'm that now, I'm definitely on my way to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll yeah say that. and I say that respectfully. And but guess what, Jake, the only re- the only way my voice and who I am is ever elevated to where it is today is because of people like you and other people that what I express when I make content or when I express my opinions and things that's going on, I feel like I'm not only expressing how I feel, but what a lot of other people feel. And the only way my voice and what I've been doing is elevated to where it is today is for people like you and other people that feel the same way. So I say that humbly, man. I say it humbly. I'm, I'm actually uh, humble to be on your show because this is oh, something that you. I'm passionate about, man. Yeah. I'm passionate about it. I am an ex con. I was a model citizen, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I am saying that to be yeah. sarcastic. No, I know. I, I get it. I get the sarcasm. <laughs> I know the listeners, they're going to be like, no, dude, you're, if you're on this, you're not no model citizen. We were the opposite of model citizens. You know oh, what I mean? Man. Yeah, well, man. The, the more I've gotten to know you on social media, um, and to know to, that I've gotten to know your political view, your worldview. Um, I really love it. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and I thank you for speaking out the way you do, because there's not a lot of people I have to, I have to sometimes uh, walk that line because we have a nonprofit called forgiven felons. And, uh, you know, and so I have to walk that line between what I express and what I actually believe. And, uh, and so, but I'm not afraid to tell people, you know, uh, how I feel sometimes, um, you know, I got, I'm, I'm conservative to the core, but I'm not going to lie that there are some things on the conservative side, conservative platform that I don't agree with. Yeah. Um, you know, especially I nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and you know, one of the things as I got older in life and then went to prison, one of the things that I, uh, did like better about the democratic party is the criminal justice reform. Whereas 
conservatives outside of Trump. Trump's been great. Trump did um, the first step. At, yeah, I know. He, he was incredible. And uh, because most most Democrats and even even back in the later days, they would they would say that they're for criminal justice reform. But all they would do is right before they get out of office, just commute a bunch of sentences and pardon people. You know, Barack Obama, you know, everybody when he commuted over 300 sentences. Well, that's all he did. He didn't pass any legislation. He didn't do any of that stuff. But but Trump actually did some stuff in office. Um, but I live in Texas and uh, and it's hard to get any kind of we had last last year legislation. We had over four hundred and fifty criminal justice reform bills in, introduced into legislation. Only two of them got looked at. That's yeah. it. And only one of them passed. And, uh, and that was it. And it was my friend, Richard Miles, the Richard Miles Act. He was wrongfully convicted because of uh, coerced false testimony. Mm -hmm. And um, and so uh, but some of that, some of that the Richard Miles Act is going to actually hold corrupt police officers and detectives and DAs accountable, accountable, you know, yeah. and um, because it was them that even the little girl that the young girl that they coerced into falsely testifying against him uh retracted her statement and of course you know when they the way they looked at retractors is like well, all right well you were you lied back then so are you lying now too and they make you look like you're a liar either way so but anyway that, i mean and that's what's sad though jay is uh, it happens a lot like people will make a false testimony um wrongfully convicted on things it happens yeah. it is a part of our justice system that it there's is. unfortunate that, cases that, where that people... part needs to be somehow i don't know how it's going to be i mean yep. how do you how do you stop the bribes how do you stop the how do you stop the deep embedded corruption in in certain in certain areas of law enforcement and the criminal justice system well, I, don't, I, I don't know how you I, do that i think the corruption is always going to be in these institutes i mean I, to say that there's going to be absolutely no corruption. I, right. I don't, yeah, whenever naive. there's, yeah. whenever there's money involved, just follow the trail of money and there's going to be some corruption along the way. But, you know, I think that from, if we compare from before they had like DNA testing, yeah. um, the cameras, there's so much cameras now, like a lot of people relied on just witnesses and people yeah. would, they could lie. Right. And then a lot of people were wrongfully convicted. So I think, now it's starting to clean up a lot more. There's more right. cameras. People are actually being penalized for lying. And you have lawyers and people out there, organizations that are dedicated to going out and reversing yeah. these wrongfully convicted prisoners. And then DNA has literally saved so many people's lives. It's unfortunate that they spent a long period of time in prison. Yeah. As you and I know, we've both served prison time. It, it, it has a, a psychological effect on you, depending on where you did time. Right. Um, you know, for me, I did hard time. Um, and, and that's respectfully. I don't I'm not crying about it. I deserved it. I, yeah. I, committed I was rightful. I was rightfully convicted. Oh, I, I belong there. One hundred percent. I belong there. Buddy. All right. So before we get into your before we run the background <laughs> check on you, talk about who you are now. What do you do? What do you you know, what do you what do you do? Honor your family? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, no. you want to uh, where where are you from? All that. What do you do? I, well, I know what you do, at least on social media. I don't know what you do for a living or anything. Yeah, no. Nah, uh, good question. So I'm based in Florida. Um, I'm not from Florida. Uh, you know, I've kind of moved around up and down the East Coast, but I've been around. I've been to a lot of different states in, in this country. But uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a father. I have three children. I have a 13 year old girl, 10 year old boy and an eight year old boy. Wow. Um, I have a fiance. We haven't picked a date yet. Don't pressure me, but <laughs> she has a ring on her finger. So I, I'm a family man. I have a family unit. I have a beautiful family. I love them dearly. 
we have our challenges just like anybody else. Right. Uh, we're not no perfect family. I, I, I mean, if you were to take a camera around and put a reality show on us, I'm sure we can entertain the world. But we'll digress on that. But yeah, no, man, I'm a family man. I'm a business owner. I own okay. a brick and mortar. I own a gym. Um, as really? A, yeah. I own in, a Florida? Gym, in Florida? In Florida. I own a gym in Florida. Been in, been in business for five years now. Man, that so, is awesome. What part of Florida? In case I want to come uh, visit the gym. Well, well, so I'm going to segue into that. Uh, the business is in Largo, Florida, okay. but I am looking to exit the business soon. So, okay. But the, me exiting the business is to go to more better opportunities let's say gotcha. that gotcha uh, as you know i do use my voice my commentary on uh, as far as just if it's politics success life i do commentary online i do create content um things are starting to pick up but you know you, you, and you, and you create some great content uh we'll have we'll have your links uh social media links on the show page but just real quick tell people how yeah. they can follow you on on social media uh, if you want to find me on social media, look me up on YouTube. It's Craig Long 45, all one word, uh, Craig Long 45 show. Um, I'm on YouTube or you can find me on Instagram, official Craig Long 45. Now, is that because you were 45 when you came up with that name or is that your favorite president or that's well, you hit it on the nail? <laughs> okay. Uh, the reason why I put 45 on there is honestly, my, like I was, I told you before my kids, they suggested um, that I get on a platform called TikTok, which to me as an adult, I'm like, I'm not getting on this kid app. And they're like, no, you should get on TikTok. You'll do well on TikTok. So I got on TikTok. I just made a name, Craig Long 45. I'll just say, all right, my name is Craig Long. And I love our 45th president, Donald J. Trump. And that's how I became Craig Long 45. So that was kind of like my debut of speaking out nice. or expressing my opinion. So that's kind of how the 45 got there. But no, nah, man, I'm a business. I'm a successful business owner. Um, I have a brick and mortar business, online businesses. I use my voice to express my opinions on life, business and success. Family man. I am a felon, just like probably a lot of your listeners or yep. people that just well, listen. There, there's yeah, there's quite a few. We had a large uh, following. And then last fall, we uh, we we made a deal with one of the largest. There are the largest tablet company in the nation called Securus. And so wow. we're, we're, uh, they got 400,000 tablets in jails and prisons all across the nation. So, and we're wow. just started rolling out in Texas last fall as well. And so, uh, so yeah, yeah, man. So they get, they get to listen. They yep. get to listen and watch. They sure do. Hey, yeah, they don't they, get to watch. They don't get to watch, they, but they, they get, get to listen. listen. Yep. Well, Hey, yep. you guys are, you are in for a treat. Uh, anything that you are in going through right now and you're in prison or locked up or was locked up, uh, I got a lot of jewels and wisdom that I'm going to give you that has helped me on my journey uh, to where I am today. I have so much more to do, um, but I've lived your life. If you're still in prison, I've lived the life as a free man. And I, I, my goal is to give, it doesn't matter where you are right now. I can give you jewels and things that will be able to help you. So That's man, awesome. I, 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 let's get into it. Jay. I'm ex like, I told you, I'm excited about this. This All is right. what my passion is. So, so where, uh, where'd you, where'd you grow up, uh, as a child, where'd you grow up and, and, uh, how many brothers and sisters did you have? And is, you know, how early did you start getting into trouble? So uh, that's a good question. So I was born in Trenton, New Jersey, um, Fillsboro, Bordentown, Williamsburg in New Jersey, um, New Jersey. I don't know if you've ever been to New Jersey, but now it's kind of like always gloomy. It's depressing to me. It is these old houses. It's, it's just, yeah, I, I ain't going back. 
wow. put it that way. I've never been and doesn't sound like I, a, I need to. to do it's the it's one of the armpits of the United States. Mm. You know, it, to each his own. But somebody I'm sure they enjoy New Jersey. Um, but my father was in the military. So at a, I was a baby. My mother and my father, they met. My father, we moved around a lot, being him being in the military. So I've been to Germany, but again, I'm an infant. I don't remember too much of Germany, but I do remember when we were stationed in Hawaii. Uh, we were stationed in Waikiki Schofield Barracks in Hawaii. And since the age, since second grade, I've been in and out of trouble, man. Never. I've always wow. been a trouble kid. And I, the reason why I share it, because I think that that is important. Yeah. Um, just at where the I've always been in, you know, that sense of, man, I'm always in trouble. I've always been in trouble since second grade, man. I mean, literally sitting in the office. I used to get whoopings before I even went to school. That is how much trouble I used to Dude, get. Dude, I'm telling you, I think, I think, I think my mom and your mom were probably separated at birth because <laughs> I, my mom would wake up and tell me, I'm just going to give you a spanking today because you're going to need it at some point. <laughs> yeah, I used to get them before I went to school. Look, and then man, if I got you, in trouble at school back in the day, you they did have corporal punishment back in the day. But they I was feel whooping. like if, if they bring it back, we might be all right. But we might be all right. Whatever trouble I got in at school, I got at home as well. So yeah. if I got five swats at school, I'm getting five swats at home. Didn't matter what it was, but it sounds like it sounds like our road was a little, little. We went down the same road, bro. Yeah, I would get whoopings, man. So, long story short, my father was in the military, um, uh, served the country. So I I grew up with those values of finding honor in the country that we're in. Yeah, my father served. He went to Desert Storm. He served under Colin Powell. Wow. He even was Ruff McGruff. I don't know if you remember Ruff McGruff. Yes. yes. My wow. pops used to dress the Ruff McGruff to take a bite out of crime. Wow. Right. Yeah, so cool. dude. So it was, you know, I was growing up, I seen it. So I, I been around military families. My father was also an MP, um, a military police. So I know what it's like to where you're like, man, I hope my father comes home safe. You know, he, it, it was just crazy, you know, him being a yeah. military police. So, you know, I grew up in that military home when we, left um hawaii we drove across the country from california to uh all the way to virginia to where we settled and then my father got a, i guess i honorably discharged because he got hurt i guess okay. he got hurt when he went off into desert storm something happened to his shoulder um to where they eventually they had to let him go he was a high rank uh drill sergeant and uh, i think he was air assault drill sergeant instructor okay. uh, to be more specific but he got hurt and to see, I don't, and I'm sure some people are going to be able to relate, but to see a family member transition from being in the military to a civilian, sometimes it's, it's pretty brutal, man. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a tough transition for some, some of our, um, our, 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 our veterans, man. And then you add and an so, injury to that. I mean, did he get injured or he got injured, man? Half his shoulder is gone. He had to take half his shoulder. So when you add so, an injury to that, I know I had, I had a, cousin who was a career marine and he actually wrote me when i was in prison uh he was doing the tours the iraq tours and all that um mm -hmm. and and he wrote me at the end of my in year three he told me he's going to retire you know um and so he did and he went to be a man and this is somebody that's already done 30 years in the marines 30 years in the military and he went to become a, an assistant manager at lowe's home home improvement store you know like home well, depot <laughs> You hit it and, on the nail, dude. And he said, he wrote me back. He said, 
I quit after a month and went back to work for the Pentagon. So he goes, I could, I couldn't do it. I could not transition working around being military all my life and then being around these people in the society. And uh, he said it was tough. It was tough. So, well, my father was somewhat different. You, you talking about someone that did very, we, they had just bought a home. It was a nice middle-class home. Um, you know, it wasn't nothing, just a middle-class home. Average middle-class home is the best right. way I can describe yeah. it to you. Uh, once he got, once he had to pretty much um, forcefully retire from the military, he was one of those uh person that didn't have an education besides the military he went in at a young age so but the military was still willing to pay for his education so he had to go and work at a department store selling suits at hex and i don't i don't even think hex is around anymore i've never heard of it it wasn't in texas hex is like a do do they have dillard's in texas yes we do so it's like it's like like okay gotcha it's like a department store with clothing and things like that so he went to Hex, which is like Dillard's. It's a, he's selling suits. He got commission off suits. So you're talking about a guy that goes from highly respected in the military to just mm. an employee at Hex. Wow. You know, life starts really taking a turn, and then his transition wasn't good. So not only was he trying to well, – he was he working there, but he was trying to put himself through community college where the, the military at least was paying for him to go the community college and my mother was trying to go to community college at at the time as well i think at the time i was what around 13 years old at the time um i remember it was a rough time man they were talking about bankruptcy so we we were pretty much poor we were living with keeping up with the joneses yeah 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 we were living in a pretty decent home um but we were poor uh all i remember eating is same things i ate in prison oodles and noodles and oatmeal Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? My, that's pretty much what, but basically because of that transition, my father fell into some, uh, like a depression. Yeah. He was extremely depressed to the point where I think it took a strain between finances and his depression and whatever else him and my mother had going on. It put a strain on the relationship to where they eventually got a divorce. Mm. And we, I don't know if you know about divorces. I hope, hope not. If not, Hey, no worries. It happens. But the divorce was, it was, it was a tough divorce where they split. And so now I'm like this ping pong. I'm stuck wow, in the middle yeah. between my mother and my father. So my mother's left. How old were the, you at this time? I was, I was, I was 13. Okay. So I'm, so I'm, you're right in your teenage years, man, oh, you're in a transition yourself just in life and in your body and all that. Yeah. And now here you are going through this. Wow. Yeah. So, um, my mother, here she is with, she's left with the house, three kids, well, three kids talking about my, my sister, my brother, and myself so i have two other siblings but we're in the house and my father he's away i had a good father but he opted to be in the every other weekend dad right he had bitterness and resentment yeah. you know he loved my mother but um you know so we had to do the whole thing but eventually he offered for me to go stay when well, i never was a mama's boy i went and stayed with pops for a year and then that didn't work out uh so you know there was some transitional periods of my life that started I started veering away from how I was raised, right? Military family, father was an MP. We used, they were heavily in the church. My mother and father ended up being reverends. My father has served the church since I, I, since I've known him. Wow. We, my mother was choir rehearsal, uh, choir director. My father was an usher, parking lot duty, children's church pastor. My mom was a reverend. 
pops be, became a reverend. My mom wow. ended up running her own church. My dad's a deacon. I mean, my family have served the church. So I grew up having a relationship with God as well. Um, but hey, you know, like the Protestant child, I, when you veer off, you will end up coming back to the values that you were raised on, which I think, which I hope we can get into. But long story short, because I don't want to make this too long and drawn out, I want people to understand my journey and where I started veering off track from right from wrong. I went through that divorce transition at a teenage, uh, as a teenager, me and my father bumped heads. Uh, he promised me, Hey, at the time I was really, really good at basketball. And all I thought about was basketball, right? That's it. The basketball was my life. And he said, when you come up here and you live with me, and this is Woodbridge, Virginia, Woodbridge, Virginia is a rough area, man, of Virginia. It's northern Virginia, close to D.C. I said, yeah. So I went and moved up there with my pops. Definitely not the same neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, and, and I'll get into my mom's where, where we lived with my mother, but not so well either. But, uh, but that's regardless of the fact. Um, my father ends up getting remarried. So that was a bit of a shock. But long story short, I ended up, he, I, he said I couldn't play ball so when I couldn't play ball I was like I didn't see anything else for me yeah. to do so now I started just gravitating to the wrong individuals right the wrong crowd and um, I think that the first time I got in trouble I was at the age of 14 just turning 15 I was the age yeah. of 15 um, I went into juvenile detention center for we broke into a home hmm. and we, we broke into a house we got caught uh, someone told on us uh, you know, you had to be one of the world's dumbest criminals and we get caught. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So yep. um, my father, we and him bump heads. We end up fighting and he kicks me out. He drops me back off and deposits me back in my mother's home. Mm. Well, my mother, even though she maintained the home, we were still poor and in, in a middle class area. But we were right around the corner from what most people would call the hood. Yeah. Um, and these are the people that I grew up with. These are the people that I played ball with, went to school with. Um, law enforcement would have classified us as a gang, but we weren't a gang. We were more so just kids that grew up together and stuck together. Right. Did we throw up gang signs? Sure. You know what I mean? If, if they want to, that's something that's always bothered me. Classifies as a gang, sure, or whatever, but we weren't a gang. We didn't operate ourselves as a gang. Right. You didn't behave like gang members. We didn't, we didn't behave mm -hmm. like gang members. Yeah. We just we were like people that grew up together and just had each other's back. Um, so that's kind of how that developed. So what, you know, 15, I'm, man, I'm pissed off. My mother, yeah. my father, I, we, I would get made fun of a lot of the people that I hung out with. Our house was a little bit nicer than theirs, but they always had better clothes. They had always had food. I ended up eating food at their house. So just to paint the picture, like, Yes, we had a decent home, but we were very poor. And my mother did the best she could right, yeah. with, with, with us three. But um, I started gravitating to the streets, man. The people I grew up with, after a while, you see them showing up with nice cars, all the nice clothes, lots of money in their, their hands. Um, no one messes with us at school. You know what I mean? They got your bag. It was like a brotherhood. You, yeah. you start gravitating to that. So um, I started gravitating to it, man. Uh, I had a friend of mine, it started with crack cocaine. 
Uh, he was selling, well, he started out selling weed and then he, he uh, graduated to crack cocaine and I seen it just flourish. Uh, and that before I started going into selling drugs, I actually had a job working at, my first job was a carnival, picked up some con through carnies, but then we got a job, me and my friend, the best friend at the time, we got a job at McDonald's and uh, we were just working hard, man. We worked, mind our business, but I had a friend come in there and he says, while you guys are busting y'all's ass, we out here making real money. Mm-hmm. And in one hand, he had nothing but 50s and 100s, man. And the other hands was like 20s, 10s, 5s. And I thought to myself, like, man, I'm dealing with the manager yelling at me. My face is greasy. I've been on my feet for eight hours every mm-hmm. single day. And my check is like $300. And, you know, you oh, start yeah. looking at this. So the influence, long story short, the influence, it got a hold of me, man. And, um, I, I, they called it a up. And at the time I said, give me a 20 up and in other places. They may call it something different. I said, give me a yeah. 20 up. And what a up is, is if I purchase 20 from him, if I give him $20, he should give me, he's giving me back enough for me to make 40 bucks. Right. So I got the 20 up, which I had to end up borrowing it from my mother. She had no idea that mm-hmm. I was going to start selling crack cocaine um so we we, i bought the 20 up i was trying to learn how this stuff just like entrepreneurship now and the reason why i'm and i'm going to break it down like this so people can correlate my transition from selling drugs and street life to how they can do it in when they're released right in business in real life it's a real correlation it's just picking you have a positive and you have a negative so I had no idea how to sell crack cocaine. I asked questions. I had to figure it out. This is what a 20 is. And this is what a 50 and yada, yada, yada. And that's the kind of, the, I got burned. People were robbing and stealing. And then I started figuring out. And then my clientele started building, right? Long story. Stuff. So I went from selling crack cocaine, being in the streets heavy. I ended up leaving home at the age of 16. And then my mother begged me to come back home. Um, in which I did just to, to, to ease her heart. Right. And then eventually I left again and was living on my own. Uh, me and my partners at the time, uh, we ended up getting a, a place in the projects uh, in Fredericksburg, Virginia, um, that we, we, none of us were old enough to have a place. We had to put it in someone's mother's name. And we were all selling crack cocaine 100 miles an hour, man. And we were out there living the street life. We were told it, we illegally had firearms. We've done everything that you can think of under the sun. Um, I was a complete badass, man. I was a very, I was in a dark place. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see a vision for myself of anything to see myself doing anything. Like anything this is else all, but that. This is all I knew. Yeah. Literally, my my family's broken. My father's resentful, depressed man. My mother's doing the best she can. I left home at an early age and you can't tell me nothing. I'm, right. I'm selling drugs. I've got money in my pocket. I'm putting money in my mother's mailbox. I'm, I, I'm driving cars. You know, I, you can't, you couldn't tell me nothing. You were sex. You were successful in your own eyes. I, I was successful. Yeah. You, you're talking about a 16 year old with $13,000. Yeah. I know helping a, your mom out. 
helping my money. mother out, you know, just doing different things. So it's like, I got girls, <laughs> clothes, money in my pocket, dirt bikes. I had everything that I always wanted, man. And that's that life ended up catching up to me. I, I thought that making money, selling drugs and shooting people, I learned real quick does not correlate. But the sad part about it is Jay, I never thought that I would live to see uh, the age of uh, 21. I didn't think that I would live to see 21. I thought wow. that someone th th at the rate that the rate that I was going and I have to kind of not go into too much detail. Yeah. 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 You know, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I get you. Um, at the rate that I was going, I, I thought that someone would either kill me or I would badly be injured and, and be in, and end up going to prison, which I did ended up going to prison. Uh, long story short, I went to prison for shooting two people point blank range. How, how old were you when, when you caught that charge? I had just turned 18. Okay. Yep. I went to prison. I shot two people point blank range. Um, started out attempted murder. They dropped them down over time when, as your trial goes on to malicious woundings. So I ended up getting two malicious woundings, which they ran concurrent okay. use of a firearm in a commission of a felony. Um, because the firearm was stolen and I got a ring of um, statutory burglaries. I had nighttime burglaries and daytime burglaries, um, which nighttime burglaries are a whole lot more worse. They're worse in the eyes of society because people are actually home yeah. or could be home. Right. So uh, I, and a lot of the burglaries that I went down for, I didn't even do some of them. They were I just trying to do. tie you to anything they could. They just they yeah. taxed them all on and which, I actually play, I ended up pleading guilty to some, some burglaries that I didn't even do. Yeah. But you know, I, I just, when they got me, I, I accepted defeat and that I was caught. And a part of me was kind of happy that I got caught yeah. because like I said, at the rate that I was going, I said, either someone's going to kill me. Cause I was watching over my, I had to look over my shoulder every five minutes. Mm. So we, we, we had, we had, we, we had beef with other arrivals um, and it, we're talking about North Virginia, D.C. area, man. Wow. Um, pretty rough, man. Pretty rough. Um, so now I know you said when you were younger, you group of guys together weren't actually a gang. But when you started getting into the, into the heavy, we, we started graduating. We started graduating. And we were you just affiliating. Yep. We, so we were innocent kids playing ball and we would see the older kids that were in the, involved right. in those things. And we just kind of took picked up the pace. We picked up the slack from right. what they were doing. Gotcha. And uh, we re-perpetuated what they did. And so what's, the what's prison? What's prison like in Virginia? So because of my crimes, I have violent crimes. Um, and then I kept getting in trouble at the jail. I actually ended up catching another malicious wounding while, while serving in, time. In county jail. While or, in county jail. man. Wow. They, they didn't tell me that it's easy to get in the jail in prison, but it's hard to get out. Yeah. So I ended up catching another malicious wounding with my fists, my hands, yeah. bare hands. I got in a fight and I cut the guy real bad underneath his eye, but I ended up beating it and they threw it out um, because the guy came to my cell and um, I don't know how the camera didn't see, it, but I actually pulled him into my cell and a skinny old guy, but I had a heart of a lion, man. Yeah. And um, we fought and it was just a bloodbath and I ended up catching another charge. So, I, you know, in Virginia, they do it off of color codes. Okay. It could have changed it since then, but it was based off color codes and the, the nature of your crime. Well, I had a violent crime and then I was getting in fights and trouble 
while at county, while awaiting for my sentencing and for DOC to actually come and get me, which I ended up uh, putting in, a, a, I forgot a, a, what type of writ it was. I ended habeas up corpus. a habeas corpus writ. Uh, and, and then that made them come get me within like 30 days. It was amazing. Because, wow. you know, if you, once you get served and, you know, I'm facing some years, I don't want to yeah. hear people that's complaining about six months. You know what I mean? Like, man, I don't want to hear you. I, dude, I still got five more years in front of me. And you're complaining about six months. So you how, know what long, I mean? how long did they sentence you for each one? So they ran a concurrent. So I ended up getting 23 years with 17 years suspended. Um, now, what does because, that mean? Because we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't word don't do, ours like that in Texas. So, what does that mean? Twenty three years, seventeen. 17 so, what does that mean? I did not fight it in trial. Um, they had me red handed. Someone had, I had witnesses on there that there were witnessing that I did it. So, uh, I just took the plea. They sentenced me to twenty three years, and in Virginia, they suspend first time felon. The the plea that I took was I was sentenced to twenty three years. But the judge will suspend 17 years of the 23, uh, making it where I only serve six, which okay. with good time, you're only supposed to serve like maybe five years in a month or two. Uh, but obviously, I kept getting in trouble. I lost all my good time and ended up serving uh, six years day for day. Okay. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. All right. So, so um, what, what's the purpose of, of sentencing you so long if they know they're going to? suspend so much of it why don't they just so because give it's you a, a first, shorter sentence so because it's a well they did it's my first time ever getting a felony and i always tell people that like oh they you know they always say oh it's a, just a baby and he didn't even have a background it's like that don't mean nothing <laughs> i didn't have a background either and do you know how many people i've harmed and destroyed our community before i finally got caught and got a felony and pled yeah. guilty to a felony so there's a lot of criminals out there that just hasn't been caught yet. Yeah. A lot of times when we you finally I mean? get caught, it may be the first time we getting charged and convicted for a felony, but not the first time we've committed a felony. Right. So, you know, I've gotten in trouble as a juvenile, but not as an adult, yeah. let alone a felony. So this was the first, that's why they call it a first time gotcha. felon gotcha. in Virginia. It's a Commonwealth state. You come there on vacation, you will leave on probation. Don't go there and commit any crimes, man. You, you, you'll wreck your life. So they'll suspend it, but I had um, probation indefinite. So even when I get released from prison, I would be on probation indefinitely until they decide to wow. release me from, from probation. Okay. So um, that's kind of how it transpired. I ended up, um, when they, DOC did come and get me, I went to Mecklenburg, which is a receiving and receiving in Virginia is pretty dangerous. You have everybody there until they're classified, classified. All right, you're going here. You're going to this level. So I don't know how it is in Texas or anywhere else, but about in Virginia, the same. it's about the same. So the high maximum security is level six, which is red onion. Uh, then you have Sussex one and Sussex two. Those are like level five, level four fives. So I ended up, but my crimes were violent. I kept getting in trouble. I ended up going to a level four, four or five, which was Augusta, Augusta Correctional Center in Craigsville, Virginia. I would never forget it because my name is Craig and they <laughs> oh, sent yeah. me to Craigsville, Virginia. So um, that's crazy. Yeah, man. So how it works is level six is like your DC snipers. Levo Malvo 
and them go and do time where you never get to come out of the, the cell. Yeah. And they roll a shower curtain to your cell and you take a shower right there. And then, you know, that, that level. Wow. And if you behave a certain amount of time, then they'll release you. They'll, they'll ship you to another, um, uh, uh compound or yeah. camp yeah. where you have a little bit more freedoms. So level four or five, you have a little bit more freedoms that you, you can go out onto the rec yard. You can lift weights, but you're still locked down. You're locked down in a pod and the pod could have, uh, I want to say maybe a hundred people in the pod. It may be more. I, I didn't really pay attention to how much, but it could yeah. be more. So that's kind of how Virginia's. So I went into a maximum security prison, man. I went where the guys that are coming from lockdown all the time, they get to come there and get some of their privileges, but they were lifers, yeah. double homicide. Some of them never coming home. What did you think about that as a young kid and in and, and there with lifers? What was going through your mind? What, what, I Dude, mean, I'm going I'm to tell you like I told Andy Frasilla when I went on his podcast. You're talking about an 18-year-old that thought he was a badass when he carried a 357 around. I'll, I'll fight you even without the gun. But when you're in prison, you're skinny coming from the jail. You're barely eating. These guys in there are huge, dude. Yeah, yeah. They've been lifting. They've been eating. It's gains. There's a lot of gains in there, bloods and crips and you name it. You 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 had the, the Aryan Nation guys. They hung out with who they hung out with. You had the Bloods and Crips. Then you just had Nation of Islam. You, you had all these different compartmentalized groups of people that I was coming in there as a loner. I'm not identifying with any of these people, right? You, you had you had people that were Christian. You had different faiths, Jews, uh, you name it. You, you just had different compartmentalized groups yeah so i'm coming in there just who i am but what i realized when i did get there that prison is nothing but an extension of your community a lot of the people i grew up with were in there yeah <laughs> so i knew I, I easily could gravitate to the people that i knew which is worse because now these are the people that i did crimes and stomped i stomped around and did crimes with while on the street and now we're just doing time it, it is just an extension are you yeah. really getting better so um that's kind of how that developed. But all I can remember is I'll tell a story. It's the doors. They have these big metal doors that just go. Yep. And you walk in and then it closes behind you. And all I remember is I can hear the pod that I'm going in. It's chaotic. It's ah, people are slapping bones. They're screaming over the card table microwaves going off people people are watching tv people are just screaming it's just loud yeah <clears throat> soon as the the correctional officer opened the, the the door for me to walk into the pod and go to the cell that i was assigned it, it just went like yeah you couldn't hear nothing <laughs> i mean you could hear a mouse fart i mean that's how quiet it got and it was like all eyes on you if looks can kill, you would be dead. Yeah. Everybody's looking at you like fresh meat. So, you know, you go in there and people, I, I had some wise guy, wise dudes that I knew in the jail that told me things on how you can survive prison, which was um, the four G's, no gambling, no gains, no gossiping and no gay shit. Oh, excuse my language. No gay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to cuss on the show, Sorry. but no, no gay stuff. Right. Yeah. So I always remember that, um, which I wasn't in any of those type of things. I never was into gambling. I'm not in no game. I ain't gay. 
And I'm not going to get into gossiping where people start talking and then that creates fights. I learned that from the jail. Yeah. But the one thing that they didn't tell me is running a store box. I'm entrepreneurial hearted by I'm just an entrepreneur, which is probably why I segue into selling drugs. Yeah. I ran store boxes and more did that bring problems to me. <laughs> yep. I got in so many fights, which gravitated me to the weights. I started lifting weights and I just did hard time and it became a routine, a pattern. And uh, I started reading books, educating myself while doing time. Um, I read African history. I don't know what I, I gravitated to African history, which led me into American history. So it gave me a sense of the country that I live, I live in. But it also gave me a sense of who I am and who I'm a descendant of. Right. So I, I got into the organization Pan-Africanism, where it's all African, Africans, Africans for Africans and Africans abroad. So I was really heavily into just history. I realized, like, why didn't they teach us this stuff in school, man? Yeah. Like, I would have gravitated to history if they taught us this kind of stuff in school, but they didn't. So I really fell in love with history, not just African history, but just American history, world history. And then from there, I realized, wait a minute, I'm not, I barely, let me go back, because I barely graduated from high school. Right. I had to go to alternative school in order to graduate and get a diploma. That was the one thing that I held true to that my um, mother asked that I do. It's just she begged me, please just make sure you get your high school diploma. Because remember, I left home early. Yeah. And that's I promised that I would. And I got my I barely got it, but I got it. And but the whole time I thought that, you know, you I'm not I ain't smart. Uh, I'm, I barely can read. I suck at writing. But gravitating to reading history and things like that, um, I realized that, man, I'm not, I'm not dumb. Yeah. I'm actually pretty smart. I, I got a thesaurus in a dictionary. And when I come across words I don't know, I look them up. And my pronunciation got better. The way I, I start my writing got better. My comprehension got better. The way that I speak got better. So then I start realizing through educating myself, through things that I enjoy doing, that I can do better than what I was doing. And I always knew that, and I'm not saying this to snub my nose to anybody, but I always knew I was better than what I was doing, even yeah. when on the streets. I knew that what I was doing was wrong. When I would sell crack cocaine to a cut of uh, a pipehead is what we would call them, a customer. I, I, I knew that some of the things that they were doing, the things that they would sell, and sometimes they would take from their own kids to try to sell. And I would be like, no, 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 no. I would just give it to them, but yet they'll go to the pawn shop and pawn it in anyway. Mm. So I knew I didn't like what I was doing, but what else was I going to do? Yeah. So, you know, but that's kind of my life while doing time. And um, I gravitated to lifting weights and just kind of stand to myself. I got in many fights and I just had an old head pull me to the side and say, man, you remind me of myself when I was younger doing time, man. He pulled me to the side, said, man, and we became workout partners, good friends, and he taught me how to survive prison. And I did. And I remember crying like a baby when they were going to ship me, because when you're in Virginia, when you're about to get released, like you're getting close to your release date, they'll ship you to a lower level, which is dormitory, which is a whole nother problem. I got in a lot more fights <laughs> because of that, which is why I did six years day for day. But I cried like a baby because I thought I'd never see him again because he was a he had life with the possibility of parole, mm. 
This is a guy that I had a lot of respect for, which I would love to bring him onto your show. Absolutely. Um, he he will definitely knock your rock, knock everybody's socks off. But this guy had life with the possibility of parole. Thought I would never see him again. This is a guy that helped me stay out of trouble and show me how to make it through prison. So good. And I told myself, man, I ain't gonna forget you, uh, Angelo. I ain't gonna never forget you, man. I, we, I wrote them. I used to send them money when I finally did get released. And then life kind of just, you know, when you're in prison, we were like, man, nobody want to write us. And I always knew that, but like life was on a treadmill, dude. Um, but I used to write in my journal that I'm going to become so successful. I'm going to buy, I'm going to get a lawyer to help try to get him paroled out. Well, long story short, he ended up getting paroled out wow. after I was, after I was out close to 10 years, man. I had wow. somebody randomly hit me up, dude. So it's funny that now I, first thing I did is went to go see him. Like, man, I gave him all the money in my pocket. But now I help guide him on how to be successful out here in out society. Here, yeah, so good, man. So it's uh, it's amazing. He's How old is he? He's older. He's um, he's in his 50s now. Okay. He's, I and say you've been he's, out. You've been out how long now? I'm close. I've been out close to, well, out of trouble close to 20 years okay. uh, i got out in 2009 okay so how long has that been um 2019 would be 10 yeah so 13 uh, 9, years 10, 13 years congratulations from, man thir 13 years from um being released from prison yeah out of trouble since i want to say close to since the charges that i got charged with gotcha yeah close to 20 years so Anytime in your six years of prison, did anything, did anything outside of him talking to you and speaking life in, in, over you, did it ever click while you were in prison that you needed to stop doing the things you were doing, hanging around the guys you were hanging around, running game, whatever you were doing in prison, or did you just keep going? And then when you got out at some point, it kind of, kind of clicked. It, it just clicked through reading. Clicked what were some of the reading. other books? What were some of the some of the other impactful books um, that you read during prison. Cause I'm the same way, man. I journaled. I, I never journaled a day in my life until I got to prison. Uh, and I was never a reader. I was one of those ones that would read the first two chapters, the last two chapters and, and make up it. and I would make up a really <laughs> good story, uh, you know, for in between for my book reports. And so, I, you know, everybody uh, does that. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got to prison, man, my first grade teacher wrote me and sent me, Oh, a, really? He sent me a fiction book. And I, I love watching fiction like a movie or something, but I don't, I don't really spend too much time uh, reading fiction. I like, I like nonfiction. I like biographies. I like self-help. And at that point I'd already started reading really good. You know, the, the dream giver was one of the first books I read in prison. And it's all about, you know, God giving everybody a dream that's inside you that you one day you realize it's in there and then you start pursuing your dream. And then there was another one called wild at heart. And then I was, um, twice adopted by uh, uh, Ronald Reagan's brother. I can't remember his name now. He's called Twice Adopted. He was a brother of Ronald Reagan. Um, you know, once being adopted into that family, the other one being adopted into, into God's family. Um, but then my first grade teacher sends me a fictional book. And she's like, I don't know if you're into reading, but I want you to, I want you to read. And I was like, man, I don't want to read this. It's fiction. I, I don't want to waste my time. Just, you know, uh, because it, to me, it's like the literal, the, the, uh, lyrical version of just sitting in the day room, watching, watching movies on TV and doing nothing, 
you know, I used to make fun of those guys just sitting in front of the TV all day in prison. We have what's yeah. called the day room on some pods. You know, even though you have a bunch of pods or cubicles or whatever, there's always an area where the TVs are. So we would just call that the day room. And some guys would just sit there and do nothing all day. And so to me, reading fiction was like the, the, the version, the, the on the lyric version of that. So I, um, but I read it and it was a, it was by an author named Ted Decker and he's a Christian fiction writer and nice. And it was a trilogy. I found out. So there's more. So there was three of them total. And I didn't find that out till she sent me the next one. I, I finished the first book and she says, all right, I'm going to send you the second book of this trilogy. I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's three of these, but it, it changed my life. You know, um, I, I still don't like to read fiction, but it, but it had such great principles with it. Uh, but I was the same way, man, reading, reading, and now I'm a reader, you know, and uh, I, I love to listen on audible to books, but I also love to read. So, they say, um, they say leaders are readers. Yeah, that's true. I, what, what are some other books that, that there maybe, was a book, a fiction book. There was a book called, I don't remember the, the author. It was gone, but not forgotten. And it had like a rose, a white rose. I want to say on the cover gone, but not forgotten, but it was like a mystery crime book. Gotcha. And that was like my first segue of like reading a book can really open your mind. At the time I was in solitary confinement. So it's like, I got into this book. I'm, I'm, even though I'm where I am, I feel like I'm in the book. I'm, I'm reading this narrative. It's like, Oh, I wonder who this is going to be. You're right. So it's like, I, I appreciated those books like that, man. But I, I've read all types of books, man. The books I read now, are like self-development books. Yeah. Uh, Think and Grow Same Rich. Same way with me. Oh, I yeah. read Grant Cardone, uh, anything through Grant Cardone, like the 10X rule. Yeah. Um, Incredible. Actually, uh, I, I read Think and Grow Rich not too long ago. And then now, I, actually, my wife and I are going through it together. And, uh, and it's a good book. Yeah, it really is. I love it. Um, so what are some things that, uh, man, like when you first got out of prison, what, what was your mindset when you got out of prison? Like, okay, I don't want to ever go back, you know, mm -hmm. so I got to make some changes. How hard was it to stay away from the old crowd and venture back into some of the, you know, cause life's all about people, places, and things, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I, I landed prison because of the people I hung around the places I went and the things I did, but I also stay out of prison now because of the new places I go, the new people I hang around and the new things I do. So what, what did you do to, to kind of, make sure assure yourself that you you weren't going back yeah good um so i knew that i made my bed hard i think that's the first thing that when you're getting released from prison is understanding that you made your bed hard not the government not the criminal justice system you made your bed hard you have and i think that's important for people to grasp onto accepting responsibility yeah taking responsibility man own it you put yourself into prison you committed the crime no one made you do anything um no one made me pick up a firearm no one made me pick up drugs no one made me break into people's homes i made those decisions that was my decision to do that i tell people all the time you're born looking like your mother and your father but you will die looking like your decisions Mm, so good. Uh, God granted me another chance to make the right decisions. There's a lot of people that go in and out, in and out, in and out. And I, I have my theories with that, that they haven't served enough time. I truly believe that anyone that serves 
over five years really learns their lesson. Five years or more, you've learned your lesson. Uh, you can look that up statistically. I think that people end up going back when they yeah. do shorter periods of, of yeah. time. But five years, is something about five years or more, uh, you, that will make you learn your lesson because you're, away, you're literally stripped away from your community and your family. Prisons are made to disconnect you from your family. I don't know how it is anywhere else, but our prison was way up in the mountains. Away. I, I watched my mother come to visit us. She had to drive like almost five hours mm. to come visit me to only get turned around because she had her sleeves out. Wow. And she, their, their rules of visitation, you can't have your sleeves out. So when you see your mother get turned around, that does something to you. Yeah. So five years is my golden number. Five years or more, you really learn your lesson. Ten years or more, you're like a child. You're, you're, you're relearning the world. So when I got released, I knew that the world has moved on without me. Everything has changed. But I put myself in there. It's up to me to change the course of my life. Um, I had already made it up on my mind that I wasn't going to talk the same way, uh, eat the same way, dress the same way, move the same way. I was going to be a completely different person and completely kill off the person that I once was so that I can be reborn as a new person. Yeah. So I knew life was going to be hard. I knew I made my bed hard and it was hard. I'm not going to make it like it's going to be Hallmark cards and roses and smiles when you get home yes you're home but life is really beginning prison was actually easy it's hard when you get out today as a violent criminal as it has having violent charges did they make you wear an ankle monitor or anything no so what i did was i actually transitioned i didn't go to the same state that i got locked up my father okay. had moved to north carolina so you found interstate I, compact i want an interstate compact I said, I want to interstate comp. I want to completely remove myself from where I grew up. It is so important for people to understand. Don't go, if, if it's possible, don't go back to where you grew up, man. There are still people to this day that never got in trouble. that still live in the same community. Yeah. Same. Nothing has changed. But here I am. I had so much more growth because exactly what you just said, Jay. Change, change of scenery, change of friends, change of everything. So I went to a place where I didn't know nobody. I went to North Carolina. Uh, my support system was, I, I transitioned to my father's home at the age of 25, a grown man. And we, I did not last not even two months before I left out of there and went and mm -hmm. stayed with a girlfriend. And, and all I heard him saying on the way out of the door, you're going to get locked up again and don't you call me. Mm. And I didn't call him either. Um, but so you know, if you have good support system out there, that's going to be major. That's going to be key. But some people don't. Some people go through the halfway house and that's fine. I don't know what's worse. I kind of wish that I went through a halfway house. I went the other route. Yeah, it can I, be it can be tough. You know, there's there's smaller transitional houses like ours. There's larger state funded or state contracted halfway houses. Those are sometimes worse than prison. Um, and yeah. then, and then families, man, I, I tell people all the time, I tell families, you know, unless you're going to be that support system for them, take them places until they can drive and get a car and, and, and shuttle and shuffle all them, help them find jobs. Unless you're going to be that for them, 
then you need to let them see if they can find a good, a good transitional house like ours. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you can avoid the state contract at halfway houses, you know, I tell people, look, if you ain't got a lot much longer on your, on your sentence and you ain't got no other way to go, don't go to that state, state contracted house. Just do your time in prison and, and, uh, and, and long way discharge is what we call it. Yeah. And, uh, cause at know, least but, you can go where you want to go. Yep. Absolutely. You know what I mean? There, there's a lot of restrictions when you go through the halfway home. Some of when them you, have ankle monitors. You have to be back in at a certain time. There's a curfew. Curfew, yep. So it's kind of like you're free, but you're not <laughs> necessarily free, right? It's like yep. uh, it's a halfway house. Especially, exactly if, especially if you're on an ankle monitor, man. That thing here in Texas, right. the ankle monitor, we call it the second prison because they're letting you out from a place where you were able to go to church. You were able to go to store. You were able to go to a gym and work out, rec, whatever. You were able to go to different activities, and then they let you out, put an ankle monitor on you, and there's there's a curfew monitor, which means mm -hmm. that you can be out by – you can leave by 8 a.m. and be be home by 7 p.m., That, but you don't have to worry about – you know that you ain't got to tell them where you're going. But then there's an SISP called Super Intense Supervision, and that ankle monitor, you cannot go anywhere unless ahead of time, uh, two weeks out, you give addresses, places, mm -hmm. times, everything, and you can only go places on this approved schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't go out to eat. You can't go hang out with anybody. You can't do any of that stuff. And so to get them out and put that thing on them, they wouldn't even let them go. Like when they get home, they put the thing in the base, and then they wouldn't even let them go out the front door, garage door, side door. You couldn't even go to the garage to work out. I had to wait weight room set up in the garage of our duplex for these guys to work out and that ankle if they had the sisp or even the curfew if it's past curfew they could not go into the garage uh i would bring groceries from our van and back up to the garage and i told one of the guys who was on ankle monitor i said hey you put on your schedule that you from 12 to 12 30 you want to help me carry these groceries in from the van mm -hmm. and because it was a lockdown day you know meaning when they first get out, they lock them down three days a week and only let them go look for a job two days a week. I do not understand that, but they just yeah, like they got to change that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, I said, listen, put on your schedule on Monday, go put on your schedule that on Wednesday, I'm going to be there with the van, bringing groceries back from the food tank, from the food bank and, and tell them from 12 to 1230, you want to be able to go to the garage and help me unload the van. And they said, yeah. no. And they said no. And I ended up calling the but you, deputy director of parole and 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 they, they made some changes. They made some changes. They, they said, we understand we're making rules based on the worst criminals. We're making yeah. laws based on the worst criminals. And and so they keep some, it a tight rope. Yeah. And so some but of these you, make it harder for the productive ones that are really got a mindset change, heart change to, yeah. to do the things they want to do. So you, but you know what, Del Jay? regardless of that even with that see it's mindset even with that you got to realize man you just did time you should be regardless you you want to start your life over yep and even when they start with those conditions your mindset determines everything we hear it Absolutely. all the time mindset determines your altitude your attitude determines your altitude man you should have an attitude of just being happy that you're out yeah i don't care this is better than where i just was man yeah, and when I don't, they, I'll put the anchor monitor on. I don't even care. And when they start griping about it, because I tell them, I'm like, y'all don't gripe about it. Let me handle from a from a uh, an advocacy side. Let me handle it if something is is unjust. Yeah. I said, but when y'all sitting on the, on the sofa and you're mad because you can't go out out and check the mail at 7 p.m. 
you're mad. And when you're mad, you're focusing in, you're zooming in on that, like a, like a you're, camera you're, zoom. You're, you're zooming you're in on that ankle free. monitor. You're zooming in on that, that ankle monitor to where you think that's all life is about right now is what you can't do. But if you zoom out and you can start to see your, your jeans, you can start to see the shoes you want to wear. You start to see carpet instead of hard concrete. Then you zoom out a little more and you see a that's sofa. It. You see a sofa instead that's of a, 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 you know, a metal, a metal bench. Then you zoom out a little more and you see a refrigerator in the kitchen that you can walk to instead of yeah, having yeah, to wait for a commissary. Would, would, you, would you rather keep taking a shower, have to bring your boots with you to the shower? Yep. You yep. know what I mean? Like shower shoes. It's, it's all, it's all perspective. Yeah. And I think if you paint a perspective for people like, look, yes, this is, it's this, these conditions for a halfway house, they may suck. Although ask yourself, what would you really be doing without the ankle monitor and, and having free will to go? You're in a crucial state right now to where yeah. this is actually keeping you on the straight and narrow Account accountability partner. <laughs> That's it. It's helping you. So you can go and get the paperwork that you need to get your IDs license, set up restitution or, or something through the probational um, system yeah. so that you can go and get your, your, your license. I don't know how it, how it is in Texas, but it was like that for North Carolina. And now that I think about it, I was on an ankle monitor. Um, the first initial uh, of me being released, I was on the ankle monitor for, I want to say, maybe 90 days. And then they took me off to where then I just check in yeah. on the computer. Gotcha. I had to check in every month. Well, I had, to not on, I had to check in on the computer to make sure I was home. So I did have somewhat of a curfew. Yeah. But then I had to keep every, I think I had to check in twice a month. Uh, at the probation office, which was a headache. And I had to pee in the cup all the time, but you know what I, I said? Um, I said, man, I, it's better than where I was. Yeah. I, I'm almost there. I'm free. Let me just, so, you know, I would just tell the, the listeners and the people that, that may be going through that, like, look, it's all perspective. Yeah. You're almost free. This is such a crucial part for you to, to get the paperwork that you need to get in line try to get your driver license, set up restitutions or, or uh, um, court fines, whatever it right. is you need to pay. Yeah. Go get, go out there and get a job. Like this is such a crucial time for you so that you can change your life yeah. instead of segueing back into yeah. go home. Some people, they get released back to their family. The first thing in the family, it's like, it's an oxymoron. The first thing the family does is they throw this big party. They got alcohol. Yep. Some of them got drugs. Some of the same people that you was hanging out with, there's fights and all kinds of stuff going on, and you get reviolated just like that. And I know this is true because I've seen it happen. I've yeah. seen people that served 10 years and didn't even stay home for two months and already went back. Uh, so, you know, it's all perspective and, on how and you that, look and at that, it. And that goes back to the mindset you're talking about. While they were in prison, they weren't, they didn't have a mindset change while they were in prison. They were actually living in a way that was basically. Uh, making their default plan to come back, you yeah, know, they, they adapted to more criminality. Yeah. So, uh, you know, now that you've been out all these years, man, how has, how has what you've been through been able to be a part of who you are now and how, how you help people. And, uh, you know, how's, because man here, at background check, we say your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. You know, some of the decisions we made that created our background, stole a lot of things from us in the past. It stole relationships, jobs, it stole family, it stole different things. Now I live a life 
and, 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 I, and I'm able to go share my background, my story, uh, whether it's a speaking engagement that literally sometimes pays me back because they pay me to come speak. Uh, yeah. Or if I'm sharing my story on an individual one-on-one and somebody gets impacted that way, I feel like my background is paying me back. So how have, how has Craig Long been able to take what he's been through and all these years you've been out now and use it uh, for your benefit, but also to benefit others? Uh, man, I appreciate you asking that, Jay. Um, you know, I, I want to say I'm fortunate that my background has not stopped me from being able to do anything. I've been able to get a job. Um, I've been able to start businesses. Um, it has made my role hard. There was a time where I couldn't get life insurance and now I have life insurance. I tried to go to a, a historical black college and I got turned down because of my background. Mm. But and then I ended up going to college. I went to Durham Tech, which is right around the corner from the project, but we'll digress on that. <laughs> but the, long story short, my background has never stopped me from being able to do anything. And my, it's because of my mindset. Yep. I always said it's better to create a job than to go find one. And if you hear a lot of the guys that did time, it's the same old songs, man, I couldn't get a job or I didn't like my boss or like, dude, it's better to create a job than to go find one. So my background has created more opportunities for me now than it's ever, than it's ever has in my life. And it's, I think it's because when people, people help, people love to help those that help themselves. Yeah. There is a lot of people that take, they will see someone regardless of their background. They're trying to do something. They're trying to go on a straight and narrow and they're doing right by themselves. This, I actually can trust this person. This person has uh, very good qualities to themselves. They work hard. Some of your best workers, are people that are ex-cons. Yeah, I agree. Because we grateful, we, we're grateful for the opportunity because we know it's hard. It, it, we live in a society where it, sometimes it could be very difficult for you to be able to get opportunities because of our backgrounds. So there is people that recognize that. They will give you the opportunity if they see you're working hard and you're an upstanding person. So my, my background has never stopped me from being able to do anything. Have I not gotten a job because of my background? Yeah, but that was because of me. Yeah. During the interview process, I told them I shot two people. And this lady said, oh, interview's over because <laughs> I got agitated. I got agitated and didn't keep my cool, and I got yeah. frustrated. She kept prying away. Well, what did you do? Why? Why? You know what I mean? So yeah. I got agitated, but I learned over time. Learned that that from was that, me. yeah. So I've always been able to get a job. If nothing has stopped me. I've opened up a business now. I was able to create, get, be creative and find the finances to open a business. My color of my skin doesn't stop me. Me being a bad, having a background doesn't stop me. The only person that will stop you is you. Yeah. And I fueled the fact that I am a felon and everybody puts these, um, society has a way of putting these, these stigmas on you. Oh, you ain't going to be able to do that. No, that's a lie. I am going to be able to do it. I'm going to show you. Yeah. They said, because you're a felon, you're going to have a hard time getting a job. I got jobs. Oh, because you're a felon, you ain't going to be able to get the money to raise. You ain't going to be able to get the money or raise the money to be able to open a business. I did it. My own family doesn't even know how I did it. Oh, because you're a felon, you can't get life insurance. I got life insurance. Oh, you're never going to be able to vote again. Well, that's a lie. I've gotten all <laughs> my civil rights back. Well, you, you went to prison and you shot two people. 
with a stolen firearm, you're never going to be able to, to, to use your Second Amendment rights. How can you love America? They don't even respect you and love you. You can't even have your Second Amendment rights. Well, I've gone and I've not only got all my civil rights back, but I got my Second Amendment rights back. Going to prison and shooting two people. So there, nothing stops you. One thing that helps you is time. Yeah. Consistency over time of hard work and never giving up on yourself. Time. And when you put enough time in front of you, opportunities come. True. And over time, God has a way of bringing good people into your life. Good people, you're going to have some that come in temporarily, some that are there longer, longer than others, and some are there permanently. So the only way you're going to find those people is when you live a good life. Yeah. So for me, I, Jay, I said, instead of living my life for myself, I'm going to live my life to serve other people, right? I'm going to serve other people. And, and if I could give anybody that's listening or watches this encouragement, I encourage you to not live your life for you. Don't be selfish and live for life for you. Live life for other people. Serve people. And man, I'm telling you, man, God will take care of you. The universe will take care of you. It, 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 you will have good people to come in your life, man. Like I say, man, I've lived a good life. Nothing has stopped me since I've come home, man. And I ain't, it ain't going to stop me. And, and I do, I would, my dedicate my life to trying to bring other people up and, and show them the way on how they can do it for themselves as well. So good. Now, what, what made you decide one day to uh, start speaking out, um, on social media about your worldview, you know, what, what made you decide to, to wake up one day and go, you know what, I'm just going to start putting some of my, uh, my perspective and my, uh, conservative views, uh, out there in the airwaves for people to hear them. What, what made you decide that? Uh, man, that's a good question again, man. So, you know, and for those that may be listening that are locked up, they need to realize that our society has changed drastically. America is not the same America that I know. And I'm only 30. I'm about to turn 38 in June, June at the end of this month. Happy birthday. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Um, so America has drastically changed just in my lifetime. I've seen such a drastic change, but me, and, you know, I hate to do the, the go the color route, but me as a black man in America, you have people that constantly tell you that somehow that there's somebody on the 13th floor that's holding you back because of the color of your skin. Because I'm black, someone's collaborating on the 13th floor that there's somehow there's a white racist supremacy dust floating around that I can breathe in. And that is the reason why I have bad behaviors and why I fail. And that's mm. not the case that yeah. because you're black, you got to work so much harder. Well, as you live life, you realize you are not unique because you're black. No one is here trying to hold you back. Someone that is white, someone that is Hispanic, Asian, or any other ethnicity that you can think of, they are going through the same struggles that you are going through. And if you've done time, you know, by doing time, if you look around, you got white folks that's doing time, that's committed crimes, that's locked up in there with you. Asian, you name it, Hispanic. We all have something in common. We got backgrounds. And when we come home, it's that don't think that because someone is a certain color, they're going to get a job over you. And dude, everybody gets turned down. And I'm Jay, I'm sure you've met someone white that said it was hard for them to get a job. And they've complained about the ankle monitor that was white. 
black or whoever that may yeah. be. So yeah. our, basically what I'm saying is, is our challenges are all the same. When you start taking on this entitlement mindset of you are somehow unique because of the color of your skin or who you are or how you were raised or you didn't have your dad in the house, like no one's coming to save you. And this is just tough love, what I'm saying now. Yeah. No one's coming to save you. No one has pity on you. You could cry all you want. Nothing is going to change until you change it. You didn't have, if you didn't come up from a good area, you grew up in a poor neighborhood or the projects, or you didn't have your father or your mother was strung out on drugs or whatever the case, or your father was killed or he's been locked up all his life, whatever the case may be, that doesn't mean that you have to perpetuate that. That's right. What it means is you can be the person to write your own history because you're writing your own life book. You're, you're paving the way for yourself. You don't have to re-perpetuate what they do. You can have the courage, the balls, to do something different for yourself. You don't have to re-perpetuate and do the same thing that you see around you. Here, you have another opportunity if you get released to do something different. It's just that simple. So I, I didn't grow up being taught that I'm a victim. I didn't grow up thinking that I was a victim. I just, I, I'm a go-getter. Yeah. I'm a go. I have a dream giver. Someone give me, gave me a dream. Yeah. And it gives it. So what I'm saying is, is no matter what society tells you that America is somehow it's racist and it doesn't love you because of the color. skin. That's not the truth. There's too many very successful people that are telling you that um, regardless of color or regardless of your situation, anybody can be successful. I, I'll give you this one, um, Jay. I call him the black Messiah. And, and, and now I'm getting political. In the black community, he is considered the black Messiah. This country was so racist until we finally voted in and elected in a black president named Barack Obama. I believe the country was, everybody was crying in the streets. White, Hispanic, black, everybody was so happy because this was an example that the country has moved so far along from its black eyes of its history. Yeah. People say, wow, look, we have a black president now. That gave us black representation. We see a black man in the highest position that you can have in this country, the highest leadership position that you can have. People felt that the country had moved on. Now, I remember they were saying, now I feel like the country has moved on. We have a black president now. We, it has come so far from its past, right? Everybody was crying. Barack Obama, the Messiah for black folks, the black Messiah. And I say that respectfully, and this is coming from a black man standing. He did a speech in Morehouse College back in 2013. He gave a speech and he says, it doesn't matter what your upbringing is. No one cares. And you can go and look this up, Jay. It doesn't matter what type of discrimination that you feel that you've been faced with. Nobody cares. We have to compete against the rest of the world. Whatever you think you're going through, it is a pale. A pale, meaning it's a joke. It's laughable. It's a pale compared to previous generations that overcame and were able to be successful and pave the way for all of us. All of us. White, black, Hispanic, I don't care who you are, what shade of color you are. It paved the way for us to live the lives that we have, the freedoms that we have now. No one makes us pick up drugs and use them. No one makes us pick up alcohol and drink it. 
It's a choice that we make. No one makes us commit crimes, regardless of the excuses that you make and say, well, it's because I'm poor, I got to commit a crime. That's not true. Poverty doesn't necessarily mean you have to commit a crime. Because there is people that are in poverty that are poor that don't commit crime. It's a moral compass. So here's your chance when you get released, or here's your chance as a person right now, as if you're listening to this, I hope it impacts you. Even my tough love words. Yeah. Here's your chance right now to pick up the baton, relight the thing and set your own course for your own life. That's it. It's really simple. So good, man. Like I said, in the beginning, Jay, you're born looking like your mother and your father, but you will die looking like your decisions. There's a lot of people dying because of the decisions that they made, but there's also a lot of people living life abundantly. They choose to, 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 to make the right decisions in their life. Our decisions determine our life path, man, whether that turns out to be a negative or a positive. And here, all of us right now listening, we have an opportunity to do something different again, yeah. to take a positive stance. If you don't come from a good family, create one. If you can't get a job, create one create a job i got turned I, down for so many management positions because i you know created I, I started my own business i started my own handyman business back in 2012 i'd put so many resumes in and, and i i had been in management since i was 19 so i was just like i didn't want to go back to something that wasn't management and so but no no company would want wanted a felon on their management team so finally i just started my own business you know i can't and i still hadn't fired myself yet for being a felon you know, and, um, and we've scaled that handyman business to a Christmas light business. And we're about to open up a resource center for our transitional house guys, where we're going to be teaching them how to scale, how to start and scale businesses. And, and, uh, you know, but yeah, the decisions are, the, the, the decision is important. I tell everybody you're one decision away from moving forward or you're one decision away from moving backwards. Yeah. You never you're never going to stand still. Everything, every step backwards we make every step forwards we make are based on, on a decision that we make. And I was at a million dollar mastermind this past weekend. And, and I heard one of the speakers and we had some great speakers there. Ed Millette, uh, Eric Thomas was there. Uh, Alex Rodriguez was there. Great event, but I can't even remember who, what speaker it was that said this, but they said the root word of decide D D D E. And then side is um, D is off. And then side is cut or kill you know, to cut off. And so when we decide something, we're making, it's an important decision that we're actually cutting something off and moving forward to something else. And so you can either decide that you're going to do good and cut bad off, or you make a decision and decide to cut good off and move forward in the bad part. And that's all you look at all of our lives, my life, you look at my life and I can see every one decision I made put me further backwards. And then at one point, one every decision i made moved me forward you know no jay no no jay you don't understand man my situation different my situation is different jay you you and craig man i hear what you're saying but man it's different for me no it's not we went through the same thing that you are getting ready to go through or you're going through now yep and i was able to pick it up man it's called have heart a lot of us act like badasses when we get in trouble and let locked up Act like a badass when it's yes. time for you to do what you got to do. Yes, man. so good. Have you met Andy Facilla yet? I, I haven't got the privilege of doing it. I'd love to. I'd love to make that connection. Man, I may, I, so. the next we, we may have to travel together, man. The next Let's time I go up to St. Louis, he's the owner of First Form, man. But he's close friends with Ed Millette. 
Okay. Awesome. So, um, awesome. I see great. I see a, a Gracie shirt on. You a UFC yeah, fan? Yeah, I'm a I'm a jujitsu guy, man. Are you? All right. Yeah, man. I'm a Who's your favorite guy. UFC MMA guy of all time? Of all time? Yeah. Oh man. Well, John Jones was good, but he's he's got a drug problem, man. He's lost he, it a little bit up there. I lost yeah, I lost a little bit of respect for him with the drug problem. You know, I know he goes through his challenges, but he's got a drug problem. Um, so right now I will what I would say. I think um, Matt Hughes is probably one of my all-time favorite. You know what? Matt Hughes' story is puts tears <laughs> yeah. in my eyes, dude. Cause he yeah. was, I used to watch him growing up. Yeah. That puts here, you know, he got hit. He got in the yep. car and messed him yep. up. And uh Dana White cries too, man. Um, that's that's a sad story. But um of all time, I'd say yeah. Chuck Liddell's right behind Matt Hughes. Chuck, Chuck Liddell was good. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. I like Tito. Tito was a good, Tito was a good bad boy. I mean, I Tito like, Ortiz. I like all the originals, man. Yeah, man. It was uh, fun back then. Hoist, Hoist Gracie. He was good. I remember one of the very first original UFC fights, I think, was between Hoist Gracie. This is back before they even had weight classes. When he was still wearing a karate yes, suit. Yes, all the whole thing. The and, he, and he fought that big old black Kamalan. Dude, he was I think they call him the Ugandan giant or something. And uh, I think he made him submit. It was so it was so funny to watch. You know, I, I wish they. So you're a jujitsu guy. I'm a jujitsu. I thought I was going to say Hoyce Gracie, but there's so many, man. Yeah, yeah. So many. So how, how how deep are you into ju uh, the jujitsu? Are you like there's are you, a there's a you belt, been doing it? There's a belt promotion. Everybody, I'm pr I'm pretty much going to get promoted to a blue belt. Blue belt, okay. So I'm on mm -hmm. my journey, man. I'm still on my journey. I'm like a year and a half in. That's awesome, man. Um, but I'm I'm a badass. I, you, know, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't want to run up on me, man. You know. Well, man, hey, I, this has been fun. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for letting us do a background check on you. You did pass, and uh, and and I appreciate you. And and listen, if you haven't followed Craig Long forty five on uh, social media, Instagram, his YouTube channel, um, go to the show page. We will have all the information in there as well. Uh, he he, I love because he. He holds um, he holds this administration accountable for their I actions, yeah, and I, I love that. I love that part. <laughs> uh, so um, so yeah, man. I, I appreciate you hanging out with me today, man, and uh, appreciate all you do. Appreciate your story. Uh, not giving up. Not uh, not giving in to uh, the narrative of uh, of our society sometimes. And uh, you just you are you you you're a good guy, and I appreciate what you do, man. I'm I'm gonna connect you with Angelo. You got to have Angelo. On yeah, I would this love is a, for him this to is come a on. guy. This is a guy that did 33 years in prison and got released. He got a civil rights bag, and now I'm working on him trying to get his um, Second Amendment right. Yeah, I need to know about the Second Amendment's right back. Now, in Texas, after you've been off parole for five years, you can own a gun in your home in to protect home. your home, but you can't carry it anywhere. You can't go shoot it at the gun range. Uh, Cer certain, certain states – and see, that's where I want to collab with you on. I would yeah. love to work with you, even going and speaking. We can maybe we'll figure something out. Absolutely. Um, but it, when it comes to getting your Second Amendment rights back, it really depends on the state, whether it's Republican, Democrat, and both of them are at fault. Yeah. Like we talked earlier, sometimes Democrats have more criminal justice reform. Yeah. Um, versus the other side, but then the other side lets you more lenient with 
right. things like your rights back, your right. second amendment right. So they, they, at the end of the day, they're at this point, they are both two wings of the same bird. Yep. Right. You're and right. I think we all need to fight to get the dodo, some the dodo bird, the dodo bird. <laughs> so, you know, it really depends on what state, if it's a Democrat, Republican, obviously yeah. Texas tried is a Republican to, state, I, but yeah, I tried to start filing for a pardon. Cause I figured if I get a pardon, then you get a part, if, you, if you get a pardon or clemency, you definitely will be able to get it back. But that is no, very not in hard. Texas, not in Texas, not in I, Texas. I, I was talking to the I was talking to the uh, the head lady down there for all the pardons and stuff. And she said she said a pardon will give you uh, all your civil rights back. You can run for office. You can you can do this, yeah, but no. you won't get your Second Amendment's right back. I'm like, I'm like, well, what's nah. the, what's the what's the purpose of me filing for a pardon if I'm not going to be able to? I want to be able to teach my, my, you my daughter how to shoot a gun. And she goes, she goes, well, if you want to run for office in Texas, then you can, you can file you get, for a pardon. Get, and get so. your constituents to, to vote for you that. So see, I, I got mine in Virginia. Okay. It's a Commonwealth state. And the way I live in Florida and the way it works is I have to, when you get your civil rights back, it opens up a loophole. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. It opens up a loophole for you to try to get your second amendment rights back. So when I got my civil rights back in the state of Virginia, there's a loophole that opens up for you to get your second amendment rights okay. back, but you have to petition this court. You have to hire a lawyer and petition the court. And I've hired a lawyer and petitioned the court and the judge granted me. That's I have uh, to do that on the, I have to come back on the show. Yeah, we'll, time. we'll get you a second round and just talk about that stuff. The judge granted it to me. Um, and the way it works is you have to get it. Your second amendment rights granted to you in the state that you got in trouble at. Okay. So once I got it granted, the court order granted from the judge in Virginia, then I could go to uh, to Florida and show that, hey, all my rights were restored. So I don't have a gotcha. clemency. I don't have a pardon. I still have a record that wraps around this building. <laughs> they run my back. How you got to go? Me both, I got, man. I got a CCW. I got the ID CCW at a whole nine. But that's the way it works. So that's something that I'm passionate about. And I try to help work, sir. But I'm realizing that certain states have certain laws that are different than where I got in trouble. Like I know for sure, Illinois, you're done. Illinois and California, you're done. You're never going to get a, uh, I'm not going to say never. It's very difficult, Yeah. but you have states like Texas, where if you got in trouble in Illinois, at least in the state of Texas, if you get off probation and I think there's some other thing, you at least can have a gun at your home to protect yeah. your home, yeah. but you'll that, never be that, able to carry. And that, and that, and that, they said, as long as you buy it from a private person, he said, we don't register guns here in Texas. So buy it from a private sale. So they don't do a background check. And he said, that could be an AR, that could be anything. And yeah. so that, but, that part I like about it. And they, and they also say in Texas that if you want to go hunting, you can go hunting on somebody's property that has, that you have permission to be on their property, a lease or whatever. Uh, and you can shoot their their guns and their ammo with their permission as long as that you have full permission but you can't take your own gun yep. carry it to the lease and so you, but you, you get know permission. what you know what though jay it's a step forward yeah because you think about it you at least can protect your home yeah there's a it, lot of states it, that you can't even have it in your home you so can't I can't have it. it in your home you and you ain't never getting in trouble you got states right now you never let alone me and you've been locked up done we got felonies there are states right now where people have never been in trouble that cannot even get a firearm. Mm. It is very difficult for them to get it. So, like, I mean, I, I take my blessings sometimes, but yeah. hey, over time, 
people like you and I, maybe we can get into those public positions yeah. and, and, and have our constituents vote on us to help try to get things passed, you know, laws passed and legislation passed for, for felons to, to, you know, have all their rights restored. Yeah. I, I am a firm believer that a felon should be able to have all his rights restored if he's proven if, himself, if he's proven himself with a certain period of time. I agree. You guys got to realize I've been out for a long time, not getting in any trouble. I haven't gotten in any more trouble. So we'll talk about it on the next one though. Man. Yeah. We'll have you back on round two at some point and talk about all the laws and, and, and ordinances and all that stuff. But man, I appreciate now that I know your story, man, I just love, I, I love you even more, bro. Man, and I, uh, it, I see you on social media and your YouTube channel. And I, I see that side of you, but now today we got to hear, hear, uh, hear, hear the story in the background. And so I uh, appreciate more, even what you do for everybody you do it for, man. Most definitely, man. Thank you, man. All right. Wow. What an interview. I did have fun. One of my funnest interviews, one of my favorite guys that, that I've interviewed so far. Um, and listen, just another example of your background not holding you back, but paying you back. You know, I mean, he, he's not ashamed of his past. He says ex-con, Second Amendment, uh, uh, Second Amendment rights restored on his bio, on all his social media. So he's not trying to hide the fact that he, he screwed up in life, but he's using it. He's making it pay him back. He's making it pay him back, and he's using it to help motivate other people. So, and you can too. You can too. Um so let's, let's pray over Craig. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for Craig. Thank you for all he represents. Thank you for his love for you, his country, and for his fellow man to want to, to better the lives of anybody that, that may have a similar story as his. Lord, I pray for his businesses. I pray that they thrive. I pray for him and his fiance, and I pray for his family. And Lord, I pray that you give him everything he needs, everything he needs for this next chapter of his journey. Let him thrive, let him live in abundance and open doors for him to share his story on a level he's never even experienced. Lord, thank you for Craig Long. Thank you for his love, uh, his love for others. And uh, thank you for his passion to see his country be the best country in the world. Thank you, Lord, for Craig. Again, bless him, his family. And um, Lord, we give you all the glory. Thank you for the listeners listening. I pray that you bless them. Let them live in abundance. Let them have breakthroughs. Let them have healing. I pray for people listening on the inside of prison, Lord. Give them hope. Let them know that 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 cell, that prison cell, doesn't define who they are, where they're going, and and, and anything, who they can be. Lord, I, I pray you lift them up. And uh, and Lord, we pray for everybody who's not out, of, who's not in prison, wherever they're listening. Lord, give them exactly what they need right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks again for listening to Background Check. Again, we couldn't do it without you. And don't forget to let uh, make sure your background doesn't hold you back. Make sure it pays you back. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm Jaden Gum, and this has been Background Check.